welcome to Friends on the Fringe. My name is Mike, and I'm with my good friend... Ethan. Ethan, welcome. Thank you, Mike. So glad to be doing this podcast with you. Mike and I are both a part of Campus 180 Ministries, and we do college ministry on campuses across mostly New York and Massachusetts. We're working on getting some in Pennsylvania, and we've got one in Oregon. And we also have an online ministry uh, with a lot of different avenues, and our podcast is one of them. So welcome to our show. Mm-hmm. Yes, all that to translate is we are professional Bible readers and professional Bible talkers. At least that's what we tell ourselves. And we work with college students, college students and young adults galore. And that is why we created this podcast. We created it because we're two friends having big soul-changing conversations and that is going to be no different today what's going to be our topic today well most of our topics uh we want to to cover things that our listeners cover so i did have a letter come in from one of our listeners her name is welma welch from willowana wisconsin Mm. and she said i become i became a christian at summer camp this year and i was told i should read a bible i went home and didn't have a find one um And then she says, she went to Amazon and there's over 100,000 different Bibles for sale. Which one should I get? And then she has a couple follow-up questions. Uh, So we'll cover what number one is, what Bible should she get or start with? Uh, Why should she read it? And the other question is, where should she start reading? So why don't we start with, uh, which Bible should she get? And I I fact-checked that. There is. It says... This is showing one of over 100,000 items. So she is correct on that. Mm-hmm. Um, so she gave us homework. Is that what you're saying? Well, I think she's looking for some some recommendations, some uh, pointer in the right direction as to what Bible should she get or, or maybe what Bible should she look out for. Are there any evil versions of the Bible that uh, we wouldn't want her to start with or ever read maybe? Well, that is a spicy question. Are there evil versions of the Bible? Is there a Bible that's going to lead me astray, keep me from its truths, and make sure that I leave with a bad answer, maybe an answer the devil would like? Um, and I think part of the, the I'm going to pop the big balloon here, Uh-oh. is, you know, some church denominations will tell you, yes, there is an evil version of the Bible. And or maybe it's not evil, but it definitely doesn't have your best interests involved. Um, maybe some or they, I think the ones you're talking about, Mike, might they'll say other ones are evil or they're okay, but maybe one is super special oh, and better oh, yes. than Mike. Usually, I know you when have, you talk to these people, I've heard they, you've had multiple conversations with people like this. So have I. Oh, we will get into that. Yes. Uh, yeah, the, these people, they, they put one type of Bible on the throne, um, and they put the other ones kind of below it. You know, maybe maybe those other lesser Bibles, they can do good, but not as much good as this one, you know, Bible. Are, are we ready to pop the balloon? Should we talk about the evil version of the Bible, or should we talk about the almighty version that can do no wrong? Um, you know, I think we can go ahead and pop the balloon. All right. So 
there's a group of people called KJV onlyists, and um, I, if you talk to them, they will say things like um, KJV was written in a language that was superior in all culture because it's a Shakespearean language, and the people of the Shakespearean times were probably smarter than our English speakers today. I've heard that argument. I've heard that uh, the KJV was written by Erasmus, um, or it was based on his manuscripts. And his manuscripts are the ones that the apostles loved and used in the early church, you know, couldn't get enough of. So everyone else's manuscripts that make up other versions of the Bible, you know, that was pretty much, you know, pagan toilet paper. And, you know, you can't really rely on it. Um, I, we're going to be talking about the, the different manuscripts. And when I typed in, uh, so the one that KJV uses is the Textus Recepticus. Interestingly enough, uh, that's a million dollar word. Um, and when you type in, um, you know, is the Textus Recepticus, um, is it the true word of God? You'll get on Google page one all these arguments, like all these blog articles saying, yes, yes, it is. Um, you know, websites like kjvonly.com and, you know, the true word of God.com. And then when you look at one of another, there's there's other manuscripts. There's the Alexid, I'm going to butcher this, Alexandricus one. And they will tell you that that one. That one went to Egypt and got corrupted and, you know, they spit all over it and, you know, uh, you know, rich people who were evil just ruined that one. So all that to say that, man, Bible translation is so complicated. So how, how would someone who just got saved at Bible camp know which version is a good version? And which one might be an evil one? Well, first, or, or maybe I, not evil. Maybe evil is not the right word. But is there a better one than some other ones, maybe, to start with and be able to understand? Well, we're under a lot of assumptions. One is the assumption that there's a, 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 a way that the Bible's explained that'll make you smarter, more spiritual more holier than other versions. And the other assumption is that, that there are Bibles that are misleading and trying to give you, trying to give you like a bad rap. And so for this person, I would, I wouldn't want to tell them this complicated history just yet. I think, uh, you know, sitting them down and telling them about, you know, Texas Recepticus and Alexandricus uh, would just make their head spin. That's more of like a third year topic. So is it the uh, Alexandrius or the Vaticanus? Oh, that Vaticanus is, gets a, sometimes a good rap, sometimes a bad rap. Yeah, we've got so we've got multiple different options as to the manuscripts that were used, right? When when people looked at it. Um, so let's take a left turn and answer question number two. So she just became a Christian at summer camp, and one of her questions is, why should she read the Bible? 
What uh, what does Minister Minister Mike have to say on the fringe about why should we read our Bible? Well, according to ancient poetry, Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. So, I think there's, uh, you know, that's proof positive. Hey, if you need a reminder that Jesus loves you, where would you go? You go to the Bible, of course. And who doesn't want to be told that they're loved? Especially by someone with lots of it. Yeah. So I would say that, you know, that buries it. Now, should I, should I ignore the verses that talk about hell? Because I only want to hear that Jesus loves me. Oh, gosh. Oh, you just opened up that can of worms. Uh, well, that's the beauty of the Bible. Is that... You get a you get a whole story. You get the conflict, humanity at its worst. You get the hero trying to restore back uh, civilization with the people. You get the sweet turnaround in Act Three. You know Jesus' death on the cross to save all who are condemned. Then you get like the uh, long, long ending, like the Lord of the Rings type ending. Or after the hard part's over, you just see a bunch of people celebrating for about 30 minutes. So, uh, why else would someone read it? Hmm. Well, some people have said the acronym for Bible stands for basic instructions before leaving Earth. Now, that might be a, a laugh, but it's something to think about is if... If we believe there is a God, how do we know about him other than what people have known or been revealed to them and if they didn't write it down? So I met someone the other day or I saw someone's comment the other day on Facebook and they said that their God and they listed all these things about their God. And yet it would not be a God that you would find in the Bible. Um, and so my question to that person would be, we're awesome. I'd love to hear more about your God. How can I hear about it? And if it's just a God they made up, then they're going to, how do I know it's true or not? Uh -huh. Versus, now you talked about a document that we've got manuscripts that are thousands of years old uh, with little changes in them or errors or discrepancies. Um, uh -huh. So that gives the Bible a little more credibility. So a question along these lines, Mike, that is often brought up is, is the Bible more special than, let's say, my son has been reading Harry Potter so in the last through June, July, and August, he's read seven, six books on Harry Potter. Uh, is the Bible special? More special than every other book we might pick up at the library? Well, the Bible avoids a lot of mistakes that would end the conversation uh, about whether it's reliable or not. Um, one of the big arguments is how in the world could these people align with their story if they came from different continents, different countries, um, different political viewpoints? And, you know, that's the, that's the amazing story that the Bible can be written over, gosh, I'm going to throw out 6,000 years, 4,000 years, it was 4,000, probably. And that uh, it kind of, it weaves a whole tale together. One that you can you can take from page one in Genesis, and you can link it all the way to the last book, the Bible, Revelations. And most people trying to write a, like a, a life story like that and using 
a span of thousands of years, they can't do it properly because either, you know, they forgot half of it or, you know, they're, they don't, they're not hearing the truth correctly or they have their own way they want to go and, you know, it's, it's interesting stuff. Some of the stuff our Bibles avoid in terms of things that make it unreliable. Yeah, and I think there's some verses that would tell us that the Bible is living and breathing and active, and it can help change our life. Um, and I would say more so than just like a, a get help, what, what are those types of books? A self-help book. It's not a self-help book. It's a help guide you to God book. Uh, all right, so I think we should maybe talk about, we'll skip down a couple. I actually Go have ahead. a good example that I just Go thought up. I know this is unscripted, folks, but um, so it's it's kind of like when you're getting a calorie counter app. Um, you know they have the My Fitness Pal app where you get to put down everything you've eaten for the day, and then it tells you like a computer kind of tells you, okay, if you keep eating like this, you know you'll weigh 300 pounds in five weeks, which is bad. And then there's another app called Noom. It's, it's kind of expensive. I don't think I can afford it, but it comes with like a special guide. So you put down your stuff and it tells you the calories and you know, it tells you if you're going over your calories or under your calories, but then the guide kind of chimes in and um, she's like, oh, you know, keep up the good work, putting down stuff. Ooh, you might want to avoid these things. And so I think as a believing Christian, we we have the added bonus of saying that there's a Holy Spirit that's kind of guiding us as we read the text. I think that's a good analogy, Mike. And so back to her first question, which one should she get? So I'm assuming she means not which color, um, but should it be a certain translation, a certain version? Should it be red letter, blue letter? Leather with wide margins is a good translation. Um, but I, I think, you know, we we bit off more than we could chew talking about manuscripts, only because you and I both have some crazy KJV stories. But, you know, I think we can, you know, rewind a little bit and just talk about the difference between a direct translation and a paraphrase. So if you look at a, a, a spectrum on one side, you have the direct translation where someone looked at the Greek that the Bible was written in and tries to go word for word on what it would mean in English. And they would have to flip around words and they would have to make sure they're using the right word and not just any word because one Greek word can mean many different things. So it's a, it's a tiring process. Um, and then there's the paraphrase where someone looks at the like an English version of the Bible, one that they trust, one that they know was translated, and they try to explain what they thought that the author, what the church believes about it, kind of like the meaning behind the words. And so they're they're kind of they're translating the English into more modern. 
And so which one um, is evil or is there a bad one? Is there one you recommend more of a direct translation versus a paraphrase? Right. Uh, you know, I'm a middle guy. So to, to kind of back up, a good uh, version of a paraphrase Bible is the message. And right now there's a lot of memes uh, that kind of talk about how the message is trash. You know, it's just, it's, it uses, it, it goes too far trying to paraphrase things and it gets too far away from what they believe. Um, the writer from uh, the message, he actually, the person who, I, I can't remember his name, Peter. Peter Eugene Peterson. Eugene Peterson, Eugene. okay. You know, he, he actually has, he never really intended for his, like his paraphrase of the Bible as he wrote it out to be read by millions and millions of people. Someone took it and said, oh, this looks amazing. They published it. And, but he is also a very smart guy. I don't think he, he wrote anything out of just like pure ignorance or said, oh, I think this verse should sound like this. He just wanted something that uh, he could understand. Right. And so I think as you explained it, it he would kind of expound on the verse to help people understand it in, you know, 2020. Or I think it was yeah. 1990s or something. But yeah, so modern day, hey, this is what that would look like. Help me explain it better than, than the direct version of like a King James where it's thee, thy, and thou and things we don't use anymore. So it's helpful to people who maybe have never read the Bible before or are new to English, um, but with the asterisk or the grain of salt that it's not a direct translation from the original manuscripts. It's a paraphrase of a translation of the manuscript, mm -hmm. usually. Yeah, there are sometimes I've read the message and I've had a, a, a different Bible right next to it. And I'll read the, you know, the more direct translation and then I'll read the message. And I'll say to myself, how in the world did the message get that from that? And so if you're going to read the message, always have a, uh, like a reference Bible next to it. I always find that's a good idea. I personally, unless you're used to reading Shakespeare, I would not recommend the King James. And even if you read the New King James, there's words you got to look up in the New King James. I don't necessarily think they're evil. I think they're fairly good, um, but I would I like to recommend, I was recommending the ESV and still do, that's the one I preach from often, um, but a one for newer people or younger people, uh, one I think that you might like, Mike, that's more in the middle, is the New Living Translation. Oh, that's um, a good one. It's more modern, it's, a, it's not paraphrased, it's definitely still a group of scholars, not just one or two. You know, look at the manuscripts, dialogue together, study the context, any other documents that have the, you know, the normal rigorous stuff that they do in translation. Um, but it's definitely, it's in the middle. It's not a paraphrase, it's direct translation, but it's not quite word for word. It's a little bit more sentence or idea by idea translation, mm -hmm. um, but not not off it's not i wouldn't put it in the paraphrase category so it's definitely yeah. pretty good i got to listen to one of the uh 
guys who was behind it, uh, behind making that happen on a recent podcast I was listening to. And it was neat just to hear how much prayer and time and, and hopefully, you know, wisdom um, and not trying to make money by some creating a new version, but saying, hey, we think this one is going to be really helpful for people that are just getting into the Bible. So that can be a, a new one. So Wanda, you've got the NLT ESV. What are some ones you might recommend, Mike? Um, somewhere between an ESV and an NLT is the NIV, which is it's kind of like the default Bible. It was very cool in the 90s. Um, and then the ESV kind of made a comeback in the early 2000s. And um, I'm not sure where the NIV sits popularity wise, but it's kind of it's a very strong, uh, solid Bible that kind of it goes it's less word for word. It's more thought for thought. But there are there are some thoughts that the NIV have. And I actually read that they that do a better translation than the guys that are doing a direct translation. Like the NIV. Uh, okay, there's a there's this weird verse um, in Corinthians that said. Um, the the authority of every like the direct translation is the authority of every woman is her own head and so that is the direct translation and the ESV kind of said well head must mean head of the household so they translated the head of every woman is man um, and so the NIV actually gets the translation uh, more correct, the more direct translation. So it's it's weird how those those things work. I knew a King James only person who said the NIV doesn't stand for New International Version, but it stands for the Non-Inspired Version. And so he did a Bible study with us why he was trying to prove why you shouldn't read the NIV versus the King James. Now, a yeah. quick note I would say is. 95% of the versions out there, there's very small minor issues or differences between them. Um, mm -hmm. So the one guy would pick at the NIV and say in Isaiah chapter 53, I'm guessing somewhere in there when there's a prophecies, the King James said it would be, Isaiah prophesied that it would be a, a virgin who gave birth to God's son. Mm -hmm. um, but the NIV said, which people think might be a better translation if you know the historical context, the NIV says a young woman. Uh, mm -hmm. Back then, if you said young woman, you would 99.9% .9 assume that meant virgin. That's not mm -hmm. the case today um, yes. in a lot of different places. And so, again, that's where a wrong thing is to bring our American society into what we're reading and not forget that it was a different society, different context. Um, yes. When you're reading an older, more Shakespearean version of the Bible, Everyone talks about KJV only. They don't talk about the the American Standard Bible. That no, there's no ASB only, which is funny. Uh, but when you're talking about an old school, you know KJV, you have to understand that it's written in a language that made more sense to people of the 1800s. Um, 17, 1600. I mean, it was written in 1611, yeah. right? So it's right. 400 years removed from us. Right. It's also fighting battles that were more prominent to people in the 1600s. Um, a lot of the KJV wording and 
you know, verb structures are set up to attack heresies that were huge back then, ones that we don't really think about now. And so <clears throat> you got that to think about. Yeah. So some of our listeners, you might have a favorite one. Um, and I personally would pick maybe the NLT, ESV, NASB. Now I'm throwing out things that might not make sense. My pastor has done this before and I had to explain to him. He's just saying like that. I read the NIV and then I grabbed the NASB and people might not know what that is. So the NIV is the New International Version. ESV is the English Standard Version. The NASB is the New American Standard Version. K KJV is King James Version, originally 1611. Um, but I think, what was that joke you told me about what the ver best Bible version oh, was? Um, my my college pastor used to say the best version is the R-E-A-D version. The version you read. Ha ha ha. Well, it's fitting because I, I've, I've tried different fitness you know, videos and you listen to the trainers and they say the number one question is, you know, trainer, what equipment should I get? You know, should I spend 10000 or 1000 What do I need to get? And they just said, well, whatever one you're actually going to use. You know, yeah. if it costs $10,000 for you to have a gym you're going to use, great. But if you're going to buy it and not use it, then it doesn't matter if it's a good one. Right. So I think I think what your camp counselor or someone at your camp is probably explaining, uh, Wilma, is, is that, uh, you know, just taking time to learn more about God. And we do that through the Bible. Uh, so I would pick one of those versions. Um, and Matt, Mike said... Maybe one with columns on the side. And I, my last Bible I bought was the largest print I could get with columns on the side. So, Mike, why did you recommend columns on the side? Why do we like that? Uh, I love note-taking. I love uh, scribbling things down. And, yeah, the ability to wrestle with your Bible, you know, pull out words, ponder those words, Find the meaning. I love going to. I, I love having a Bible app with at least thirty English translations because I want to see what everyone thought. Um, and usually they all agree, but someone has like a cooler word. Like uh, one will say, "I grabbed this," and the other will say, "I embraced this," and you're like, "Ooh, that's cool." And so you get to just see. You get to do so much. We have so much more study tools than people generations past us and i just think that's a, a great reason to you know hunker down write notes about your bible underline underline highlight and just uh, you know see what's out there definitely so the last question i think we should uh should she start in exodus leviticus revelation um obviously those are some jokes i wouldn't recommend starting there but mike Let's say she gets a Bible that has, is it 66 books? Or is it 39 Old Testament and 27 New Testament? I have to do my math there. Um, so wh where should she open it up and first maybe start reading? What do you recommend? Oh, gosh. Well, you know, the, the, the answer that all churches shoot out first is John. John has all the bumper sticker verses. But there's four Johns. Which one should I use? Uh, definitely the one without numbers in front of it. Oh, okay. You get a very good story of Jesus in his life. And obviously that's the, 
culmination of what the Bible's trying to do, so why not start there? Uh, I say there's nothing wrong with Mark or Matthew. They tell some very good stories that we can relate to today. And who doesn't yeah. like Luke? So the, he mentioned the four Gospels. If you read the New Testament, you get the four Gospels, and there are four different accounts of people who walked with Jesus about his life. So we have direct quotes. So if you get a red letter Bible, I mentioned that. Then in the New Testament, any letter or, or word or sentence, anything that Jesus said, a quote from him, is in red letters. So it can be kind of helpful. It just sticks out on, on the page to say, hey, this is what Jesus said. So I think that, and now if I would say if you're someone who maybe went to church when you were younger and remember, remember, you know, the, the Old Testament stories of Moses, Abraham, you know, the ten plagues, um, the Israelites in the desert, David in the David and Goliath, Daniel in the lion's den, then maybe Genesis wouldn't be a bad spot to, to start to get familiar. Um, but I also recommend the New Testament because. The Old Testament is great and helpful and helps us understand the New Testament better. But without the New Testament, where does Jesus fit? So mm-hmm. we've got that. So I think it would be just open up and be feel free to ask questions and see what uh, what the Bible has for you, for your life, and for you to help others. Mm-hmm. Also, you know, we, we talk about having different moods when we read the Bible. If you want something solid and moral, then God's common sense in Proverbs is a fun place to go. If you want something, you know, floaty and poetic, you go to Psalms. If you need a good reminder of who this Jesus is, there's a lot of places in the New Testament. Um, If you need to remember how to act like a Christian, you know, you go to Romans, you go to Ephesians, Galatians. So... All right, any other thoughts or tips we should give uh, Wilma? Well, you know, we brought up, we kind of dabbled on the idea that, you know, our primary belief is that we're not reading this Bible alone. No, mere ordinary humans aren't writing it alone, that there's a Holy Spirit, kind of the wisdom of God guiding them. He's kind of the one constant. And I think... That, that is that's kind of like the major difference that belief of what makes the Bible so special mm. uh, what separates it from just a, a self-help book or a summer beach read is that it has that backing on it that backing is really hard to explain to people who kind of just are off the streets and you're you're just trying to explain to them why you think the Bible is special um, but it is one of our core beliefs when it comes to uh, how we get inspired. And the Bible is special. Uh, it is the most published book worldwide. And that is interesting yeah, knowing Harry that. It, oh. <laughs> yeah, more than Harry Pilgrim's Progress is another one that's up there high. Um, there's, there's some other books that are up there, but the, the Bible still outweighs by a long shot. The next most widely published book um, in the world, even though it's, as Mike said, some of it is 3,000 um, years ago, three to 4,000 years ago is what we're estimated that authors were writing. Uh, 
and yet it's still relevant to my life. Where most other manuscripts, I've read old ancient things. I don't know what they're talking about. They don't really relate to my life. Um, where the Bible, that is something unique about it, is it's relatable no matter when in time you read it. Right. And it also contains, you know, stories and instructions that are so unique to our faith. You know, stories of not hating our enemies, being good to those who are bad to us, um, fasting, mourning, rejoicing. And so, uh, you know, it's all that just to say, you know, embrace the, the uniqueness of the Bible as well. Yeah. Uh, so when you get your book, Wilma, I recommend, you know, at least, you know, 15 minutes a day or a chapter a day keeps the devil away is a phrase I used to hear. Uh, but I myself try to, to spend, uh, you know, some time reading the Bible itself. And then I often will listen to different uh, podcasts or sermons about people talking about the Bible. There's books about the Bible. Uh, but I always think it's important to start with the Bible first um, and then we can test and see if other things are in line with the Bible mm-hmm. um, as that is the basis of our faith the U Bible has a lot of good bi- like de- Bible studies you can download the, I think it's the Blue Letter Bible has some reading plans you can get where you can read the Bible in a year yeah am I missing any no, I, I, there's, there's plenty of options online, in paper, on the computer, on our phones um, that are out there. And so I think if you've never read the Bible before, never checked it out or have it in a while, I'd have you try it again and see what life it can bring to you. Right. And, you know, it's a lot better than the movies that are based on it. Um, so, you know, that's the one time the book is actually way, way better than, uh, you know, especially the God and Kings by Christian Bale as Moses. And I definitely prefer the book over that movie. Well, I hope our listeners are willing to let us know what they'd like to hear in the future. Uh, one of the topics we did get a letter in and we might do soon is, how do I know what good church I should go to? How do I know if a church is a good church? Yeah, and so that's one of them coming up, but we'll let you know what we have next week. Spoiler, it's the coffee. Oh, it is. Oh, my church doesn't have coffee. I should quit going. Oh, Wait, I'm the, I'm the pastor. I guess I shouldn't quit. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening. And you got any comments, questions, bad jokes about which Bible versions? We would love to hear them. Absolutely. All right. Thank you for listening to Friends on the Fringe. We are two friends talking about some big conversations that deal with the soul.